Well, good morning, Foothill Bible Church. Glad that you could join us together. Even though we are scattered uh, across in our homes, we are gathered here together to, uh, to worship, to hear the Word of God together. And before we uh, look into the sermon for this week, I thought it would be appropriate for us to open the Word of God to simply read a passage and to, to pray from there. So if you have your personal copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn to Psalm 27. I've chosen Psalm 27 to read for us today. And a psalm that in many ways speaks to uh, issues that are on our hearts and helps us to refocus this morning. Psalm 27. It reads, Of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war Arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. And he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I do seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast, not, cast me not off, forsake me not. O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have arisen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Bow with me in a word of prayer. Oh Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you that you indeed are our light and our salvation. You are our stronghold of our lives. I pray that you would please help us today to be able to confess with the psalmist and to ask who shall we fear knowing that we need not fear anyone or anything because you 
are our stronghold. Father, there are many things in our life today that concern us. Many reasons that could cause us fear and anxiety. And our world is seemingly out of control, not sure what to do. But we thank you that in the midst of the chaos around us, that we have you, the stronghold, the rock that cannot be moved. And we know, O oh God, that we can be confident that you are with us. We can be confident that you are working on our behalf. You have not forsaken us. You have not forgotten about us. We praise you for that tender, loving help and care. Father, I pray for all those who are working to combat this virus right now. I ask you to give them strength, give them wisdom, enable them to make the right choices at the right time, from government officials down to doctors and hospitals. Father, would you please cause your grace to help our nation and our world to stop this natural evil that is coursing through our nations. Father, I pray that you would enable this time to cause your gospel to go farther than it's gone before. May it enter homes and hearts and lives who had previously held it out. Oh God, may you claim this calamity for your glory. I pray that you would please strengthen the heart of your church. May you help us to wait upon you. Wait upon you with courage and to be strong in these days because we know you are on your throne and we can trust you wholeheartedly. May you help us to do that, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, we are certainly living in interesting days, church. We, uh, no doubt for many, if not most of you, these are uh, things are taking place around us that have never taken place in your lifetime. And uh, everyone is figuring out how to respond. Uh, and it's true that it's just a fact of life that uh, people make better decisions when life is calm. But when the stress of things heat up, people make uh, more scattered decisions, or at least the probability to make a wrong move increases as the stress level rises. It's just true for any person that as calamity strikes our lives, it can be disorienting. We have a hard time knowing which way is up. We are like someone trapped in a burning building and not sure where the exit is. And so we can lack clarity about what to do next. And as we've already mentioned, our world right now seems to be in chaos. People are scrambling for food, for supplies, and for hope. And they don't know where to turn. And in the midst of these rapidly changing circumstances, we too, as the people of God, can become disoriented. We can get spun around and, and, 
and not sure what the next step is, not sure what we should do, and, and become paralyzed in a sense. And so we need clarity on what God has called us to do in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of this time in which we are called to effectively shelter in place, to stay in our homes. How do we live as Christians when we're called to be in quarantine? And so I've titled this message, Christians in Quarantine, How to Live for Christ While Homebound. Now, not all of us are, none of us are officially quarantined. Many of us uh, are indeed home more than we had been previously, no doubt. But at the very least, no matter what your unique circumstance, our lives have been disrupted by this coronavirus. And it's in the midst of this disruption that there can, we can become disoriented. But this disruption can also cause unique opportunities. And so this morning, on behalf of the rest of the elders, I want to give us some reminders on how we should be living as Christians during this unique season. And we're going to be doing that by looking at the top three priorities for Christians in quarantine that we need to remember. The top three priorities for Christians in quarantine to remember. And the first priority, the first top priority that we need to remember during this time is that number one, our primary purpose is to give glory to God. Our primary purpose is to give glory to God. And in this, we need to remember that our, uh, the, the first priority for us is that you and I do not exist for ourselves. We were not created for ourselves. We were created for God. Isaiah 43.7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God created each and every person on this planet, including you, for his glory that you might give him glory with your life. Of course, mankind, since Adam, hasn't done that, and that is the definition of sin, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 1.23 says that mankind has exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy, creeping things. We were created for God's glory, and yet we exchange that glory. But not only that, really all that surrounds our salvation is for God's glory. You weren't just created for God's glory, you were saved for God's glory. And we see that in, in Isaiah where God says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for your name's sake, for, for my own sake. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember not your sins. But we see even in Ephesians 1 that our salvation is to the glory of God. Ephesians 1, a great chapter that, that extols all that we have in Jesus Christ, the salvation that has come to us. And yet three times Paul exclaims, says that this action, this salvation of God is for the praise of His glory. Believer, your salvation, yes, was for you, for you to be saved from your sin, but was ultimately, the ultimate reason is for the glory of God. That 
that God, your God and Savior would receive the glory. He has done all the work, therefore he gets the credit. He gets the glory. And so, church, at this time, it's crucial to remember that we do not live for ourselves. We do not exist for ourselves. We don't belong to ourselves. You don't own you. You don't set the agenda for your life. I don't set the agenda for my life. We are owned by another. We're owned by Christ. And God calls us at all times to, to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord. We belong to Him. Now, this fact that we belong to someone else and are to give our lives to His glory is expressed in a couple of verses in 1 Corinthians. And so, I'd invite you to turn in your personal copy of God's Word to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, and we'll look first at, in chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This passage is found within the context of Paul exhorting the Corinthians to flee sexual immorality, to not, uh, to not partake in the sin of sexual immorality, but instead to be devoted to the Lord. And so he, he's in the midst of that uh, argument when he says, look in verse 19, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. He says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Folks, it couldn't be more clear. You are not your own. Why? Because you were bought with a price. Believer, you are loved of God. Christ bought you with his own blood. And therefore, you belong to him. And therefore, Paul says, glorify God in your body. Glorify God with your life. That's what we need to be doing, need to be remembering now, today, in these times. We are not our own. We belong to God. And therefore, we need, must glorify him. We see this also in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. A verse, no doubt, <clears throat> you're familiar with and you've quoted often. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. A succinct statement that really summarizes what the whole Bible says is that we should be living our lives for the glory of our God and Savior. Our lives do not belong to ourselves. But friends, this is a good reminder that, that when we are saved, we are placed in Jesus. We are purchased by the blood of Christ. Therefore, our identity is found in Him. We are first and foremost in Christ. And that identity does not change, no matter what our circumstances. No matter what is going on in the world around us, our identity is in Jesus Christ. We belong to Him. And what's also comforting is that no virus, no disease, nothing that touches our flesh can ever, ever touch that identity we have in Christ. It is secure in Him. We are eternally belonging to Christ. So your daily routine may have changed, but your identity in Jesus hasn't. Our nation and our world might be changing every day around us, but the purpose of your life has not changed. And that is to live for the glory of God. 
Again, this is why you were created, and this is why you were saved. And this is why you live today. This is why God gives you breath, to glorify him. So this means that we, may have, we have to adjust to, to an altered life in these ensuing weeks. But as we do that, we must keep our goal and our purpose before us, and that is to see God glorified in us. We must want to see God glorified through our choices, through our actions, through our words, through our thoughts. All of this must be marshaled towards one end, and that's the glory of God. Not the glory of ourselves, not the pleasing of ourselves, but for the glory of God, beloved. May the cry of our hearts be with the psalmist in Psalm 115 who declared, Not to us, O Lord, no, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. So the first priority we must all remember is that we belong to Christ and that we, all we do must be for his glory. Now, that's an easy statement to paste on the wall and say, yeah, I'm going to live for God's glory, but how do we do that in the nitty-gritty, in the day-to-day? And that's where I want to go to next. As we look at the, the next two main areas, that, uh, uh, top, the other two top priorities for quarantine Christians, uh, we're going to be looking at two main areas that we can glorify the Lord. And to guide our discussion, I want to use the two greatest commandments that Jesus outlined in Matthew 22. So you can turn there in Matthew chapter 22. Again, familiar verses of that we recognize as Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is in Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law and he said to him you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the great and first commandment and a second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets here jesus identifies the two greatest commandments One focuses vertically with the believer's relationship with God, and one focuses horizontally in the believer's relationship with those around him. And the reality is, is that the the second commandment flows out of the first. In other words, we love one another, we love other people as we love the Lord. We are able to love others out of our love for the Lord. And so, Therefore, we're going to look at how we can glorify God in these two arenas. So we've seen the the first priority for Christians in this time to remember is that our primary purpose is to glorify God. But the second is that our preeminent responsibility is to love the Lord. Our preeminent responsibility is to love love the Lord. Preeminent, simply meaning that which rises above all. The first, the primary. Very similar to glorifying the Lord is loving the Lord. Jesus describes that this love is not just this warm, fuzzy feeling in our minds, that it's it's not just this this quaint little statement that we can say, oh, we love God, but it's something that that, that enwraps our lives. It is a totality of our lives. 
He says that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind, as he's quoting from Deuteronomy 6 here. Because you see, our relationship with God is our most important treasure. The fact that we know the living God is the most important thing to us. And therefore, we must prioritize that above all, which is why Jesus says that this is the first commandment and the greatest. So how do we make loving the Lord our preeminent responsibility? How do we carry this out? I want to suggest three ways we can fulfill this in these days. The first is to trust God and to pray. To trust God and to pray. One of the key ways that we express our love for the Lord during these trying days is to simply trust God. Now you might be saying, yeah, yeah, I get that. Trust God, let's move on. But no, seriously, our hearts must be resting in the Lord day in, day out, moment by moment, 24-7. Friends, this is not just something that we, we deal with, make sure we're trusting God and move on. We have to be trusting the Lord at all times. And this is a note that is made throughout Scripture, that calling all people everywhere to trust the one true and living God, for He is the only trustworthy one. He is, as Psalm 65 says, the hope of the, all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. No one else is the hope of all the earth but the true and living God. Now, you are probably familiar with Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This is a call to unreserved trust and confidence in the Lord. Not to trust in ourselves, but to Trust the Lord. Now, this trust manifests itself in prayer. If we are truly trusting God, then we're going to pray. Peter exhorts us to cast our cares upon God because he cares for us. Therefore, if we believe God cares for us, if we're going to trust him with our cares, then we're going to cast them upon him. We're going to pray. If we trust him, we will let our prayer be known to him. If he is a rock of refuge to which we continually come, as the psalmist says in Psalm 71 verse 3, then we must come to him in prayer. So believer, this morning I ask you to take inventory of your heart. Have you been trusting God within this last week? Have you been running to him? Has he been your refuge that you've been continually going to? As Fear spreads around the world. Are you running to the Lord? How has your prayer life been? Are you praying to Him on a regular basis? God is trustworthy. He is the only trustworthy one. And so we must trust Him with our lives. Now children, those of you who are young, who are watching this morning i tell you to listen up because you too can trust god trusting god is not just something for adults trusting is for everyone including you the man who wrote psalm 71 he said for you o lord are my hope my trust o lord from my youth he acknowledges that even when he was young, he had trusted in the Lord. And that's 
hope for you, that you too can trust in God and that He can be your refuge. And you can say with David, who wrote in Psalm 56 that he said, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. So you too can learn to trust God and not be afraid. This trusting God is for all of us, for men and women, boys and girls. And so for all of us, the choice is before us. Either we trust in man or we trust in the Lord. The Bible is clear that when we trust in the Lord that there is blessing and that life is found in trusting Him. We find in Isaiah 26 verse 3 a precious promise. It says, You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Believer, if you will put your trust in the Lord, stay your mind on Christ, you will have perfect peace even in the midst of these stormy days. So church, let us be among those whose trust is in the Lord. May we trust in his goodness, in his sovereignty, and his power during this time of great disruption. The second way that we can love the Lord and fulfill this preeminent responsibility is not only by trusting God and praying, but reading His Word and praying. Read His Word and pray. As Christians, we need to be regularly intaking God's Word. And we talk about this often from this pulpit. That the Word of God must be before us and we must be reading it and taking it in. Man cannot live by bread alone. We were not made to live life independent of God's revealed will found in the Bible. This must be our handy companion. This must be our daily food. And even if you have, let's say you've read the whole Bible. Let's say you've, you know, you've, you've somehow heard all that it contains. Are we not prone to forget it? And so it's not a, a case of reading through it once and, and hearing it once, but it's regular daily reminders. Hearing again and again of who God is, of what He's done for us in Christ and the gospel, and what He's called us to do. You see, we are never stagnant. In, we are either paddling upstream or we're floating downstream. We're either listening to the Lord or we're listening to the flesh. We're either being transformed by the renewing of our minds or being conformed to this world. You see, there's no middle ground. There's no gray area. There's no place where we can suddenly stop and just sit on our haunches and, and, and not fight. We must be engaged in this spiritual battle and we need the Word of God to do that. In this day of adversity, your greatest need is to hear from God. You need to hear from the living God. And we hear from Him in His Word. Therefore, we must immerse ourselves in Scripture. It was written for our instruction, and God intends for us to find life in His Word. And friends, there 
are so many things that compete for our attention. So many things that our eyes and our minds and our ears are tempted to divert attention to and not to the Word of God. And indeed, our world is changing by the hour. It's easy to become glued to the news, whether that's our TVs, our news apps, or social media. And information is indeed helpful. We need it. But I don't know about you, but I've found myself at times preoccupied with the headlines, scrolling through and seeing what the next one is. There is so much that we don't know about this virus, about the world, about what's going on around us, and there is much that causes concern indeed. But if we're not careful, then the only truth we are feeding our hearts to meditate upon will be the godless news headlines. And again, I'm not saying it's bad to take in the news and to hear what's going on. In fact, it's, in, it's helpful to a certain degree. But what I want to challenge us with today is how does your intake of God's Word compare to your intake of everything else? And maybe the news isn't your particular temptation. Maybe you've, you've wanted to ignore all of that and you've just turned to something else, some other distraction, some other media outlet whether it be Netflix or movies or TV shows, video games, Instagram, Facebook, I don't know what it is for you. But again, how does your intake to God's Word compare to your intake of all those other things? Friends, if we're giving ourselves this much of God's Word and yet giving ourselves a dump truck load of everything else, what do you think our heart's going to listen to? We need to be giving ourselves truth. And really, this season of disruption is a wonderful time to do it. A wonderful time. We, many of us have, uh, have more time now to be able to do that. To be able to turn to God's Word. Now, I know for many of us, our appetite for God's Word is sometimes weak. We know that we should go to the Bible. We know we should read, but uh, we sometimes don't find the appetite. We don't find, don't find the want to that we should have. Well, I want to introduce you to a prayer that I've prayed to help my own heart to, to grow in love for the Word of God. It's found in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, I invite you to turn there. Of course, it would be in Psalm 119, right? The chapter that extols the blessings of the Word of God. And these two verses, Psalm 119, verses 36 and 37, have been used by God to help pray me into a hunger for the Word of God. Psalm 119, verses 36 and 37 read, The psalmist says, Incline my heart to your testimonies, and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give, my, give me life in your ways. Friends, the psalmist is praying, please incline my heart to your testimonies. He's saying, turn my heart towards your word. Incline it, cause it to flow down into your word. I want, I want to be moving the direction of your word, and so I pray that you would incline it, you turn it to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Father, may my heart not be turned towards that which my, my flesh and my heart craves, towards that which I just want in my own selfishness. But help me to want what you want. Help me to be drawn to your word, to hear from you. 
Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Friends, we pray this and we're reminded that, yeah, the eyes of our heart are tempted to look at a lot of worthless things. Things that might entertain, and that's okay, in its place. Things that might delight, and that's okay, in its place. But worthless in light of eternity. Worthless, maybe even in terms of sin. We must turn our eyes away from that which is sin, away from that which dishonors the Lord, and that, and turn it to Him. Friends, our world is tempting us every day to think that there is value, that there is worth in all these other things. And that if we simply give our time and attention and our eyes and our hearts to them, that we will find life. And, and companies and, and even uh, all of these, these people are marshalling forces to get the eyes and attention of, of you who sit at home now in this quarantine or, or whatever you're doing hoping that your heart might be latched towards what, they, toward what they offer. But friends, we must pray this prayer and ask that God would help us to turn our eyes away from worthless things and to give us life in His ways. Isn't, aren't we tempted to forget that? That there's life in God's ways and life nowhere else? That is the truth that our hearts need to hear and need to see. And so we need to pray that God would help draw us to his word. And we say, God, I want to read your word, but I don't want to. Help me to want to. We need to pray. Now, I know that reading is hard for some of you. Just in casual conversation with some of you, you say, yeah, I know I need to read the Bible, but reading is just a real difficult discipline for me. You want to get more Bible, but it's hard. Now, for you, listening to the Bible might be a good alternative, a good choice to be able to listen. I encourage you to listen with an open Bible if you're able. That way you are able to see the words on the page, but also able to have it read to you. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of a new opportunity through an app that's called Dwell. D-W-E-L-L, Dwell. And uh, we have a church-wide subscription that enables all of you to try it, and we'll post the details online. But in short, it's a reimagined audio Bible designed to make listening to the Bible an even more enjoyable experience. So maybe you've even tried listening to the Bible and you say, ah, oh, I just can't do it. I invite you to try out this app, and again, we'll have more details online. But the point of it is to try to get more people into the Word of God. And so I invite you to try that if that sounds like it may help you. But the point for all of us is that we need to be getting into the Word of God during this time. One final note here under reading the Word of God. Husbands and fathers, what a wonderful opportunity right now to lead your family in the reading of God's Word, in trusting God and in praying to Him. You simply need to take a passage of Scripture, maybe a few verses, read it, ask some questions of your children, Talk about it with your wife and then pray together, asking that God would help you to, to remember these truths and to implement them in your life. Fathers, husbands, be leaders in your home during this time in bringing your family to the living water. The third way that we can love the Lord our God and therefore thereby fulfill our uh, preeminent responsibility during this time 
It's to strive for holiness. To strive for holiness and pray. Now, as I've said, there are in the, during these circumstances, there are many ways to direct our energies. And there are companies that are bombarding, bombarding your email inbox, trying to get you to direct your attention to them, even though your life is disrupted at this time. Restaurants want you to still buy from them. Everyone is screaming that you would direct your attention, your energy to them. But on top of this outside pressure, there's also a war going on inside of you. There's a war and a battle going on in your heart. In fact, there's always been a war raging in us. This is the Christian life, and it's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And Paul describes this in Galatians 5, and I invite you to turn there. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. The Apostle Paul writes this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And it's this war that makes the Christian life so difficult. This is why it's hard to obey God. This is why it's hard to love the Lord. Is because we have sin nature that resides within us. Yes, our sin is forgiven. And yes, uh, the penalty of it has been done away with. But the presence of it still resides with us. And it won't be done away with until glory. And so we have this battle that rages between the God's spirit and the flesh within us. It's the remnants of our former way of life. And make no mistake, friends, this flesh wants to be fed. It is not an enemy that, that sits idly in the corner and is just as happy to, to sit there and shrivel away. Our flesh is hungry. And our flesh wants to be fed, and it wants to be served, and it wants its desires to be met. It wishes to be fulfilled and be fulfilled now. And this is why we demand what we demand. This is why we often have, get angry at those around us that, uh, because our flesh is not getting what it wants. But it's because of this flesh, and it's because it is hungry and it wants food, that Paul exhorts us in Romans 13, verse 14. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Friends, let that be the, your anthem today. That you will put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will seek to live according to Him, and you will starve out your flesh. You will make no provision, or as one person said, you're not going to pack a lunch for your flesh. And so often we want, yes, I want to live for Christ. And then we're giving snacks to our flesh over here. We're indulging in little things here and there. Allowing ourselves to be selfish and to, and to turn towards sin and what we want to do. And we allow little bits of sin in our lives. All we're doing is making provision for the flesh. We're, we're giving it snacks. 
And therefore, it is not dying away. It continues to live on. And so, church, please, as, as we are forced out of our routines during this time, I exhort you to not have this time be a time for your flesh to feast. Do not provide opportunities for your flesh to give in. These days belong to the Lord and not for yourself. These days belong to the Lord and not for sin. Strive for holiness. That's what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, verse 14. Strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness is a matter of salvation. We must be a holy people and be striving for it, pressing for it, working it out in our daily life. We cannot coast during these days and think that my soul is secure in Christ and therefore I can just float and do whatever I want. No, the Christian life is a battle. It's a race, the author of Hebrews says. And it takes work. Friends, we should long and may we pray that we should come out of these weeks of sheltering in place, whatever they look like, and that we would look more like Christ at the end than when we entered in to this time. We need to pray that God would use His Spirit to help us walk according to His Word. We cannot do this on our own. You cannot produce holiness and the fruit of the Spirit on your own. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so we must depend and pray and ask that God will work this in us. God, I, if it's left up to me, I will just obey my flesh. If it's up to me, I will just serve myself. I need you to work within me. And when he does, he receives all of the credit. He receives all of the credit. Philippians chapter 2, verses, 13, verses 12 and 13 are helpful for us. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. These verses are so key. They exhort us to work out our salvation, to work. There is energy and sweat that is needed, toil that is needed in our Christian life. But we can be encouraged, believer, that we're not called to work it out without any help. In fact, we should do it with fear and trembling, with awe and amazement because it is God who works in you. Believer, as you make choices for holiness, as you say no to sin and say yes to Christ, God is at work in you and, and you should be awed and, and, and be in, in, that, in that humble fear before the Lord to say, wow, God, would you work that in me? Did you, did you actually cause me to, to say no to that sin? I've said yes to that sin so many times, but I was able to say no there. Praise be to you, you're at work in me. It should cause us to tremble. Because God is working the miracle of sanctification in us. It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is his desire to see the, the nature of his son formed in you, and he is going to do all that is necessary to make that happen. 
So friends, as we, as we are engaged in the battle of sanctification and holiness, we work and we see God work at the exact same time and empower our work. We can't sit back and let go and let God. No, it says to work out your salvation. And as we do that, God works in us. May we not be lazy as it relates to, think, uh, as it relates to holiness. Let's not be slack in our work there. May we press on. Now, I want to say that one way I believe that you can promote holiness in the days ahead, as, as many of you are maybe confined to your home in ways you hadn't been before, is I strongly encourage you to intake solid biblical teaching. Solid biblical teaching. And this can be happening in many different ways, from good books to online lectures and, or sermons. And there is so much good content out there. There is a lot of bad content, too. But there is also, we live in a day and age in which there's lots of good content. We have an abundance of resources at our disposal. You can turn to the FBC archive, look through all of our past sermons, find a passage of scripture you want to hear about and listen to a sermon there or a topic. You can turn to many other uh, preachers online from John MacArthur at Grace to You to John Piper at Desiring God. And just uh, this week, Ligonier, the the teaching ministry of the late R.C. Sproul announced that all of their uh, teaching series are streaming online for free for the next two months. There's so much good material for you to intake the solid teaching of the Word of God. I encourage you to do that. But I also challenge you to pick up a good book. There are so many good books. And I believe that probably many of you have good books at your house. They're on your shelf. And you've been telling yourself you're going to get around to reading those someday. Well, let this be that day. Let this be that time that you pull that book off the shelf and you begin to work through it. Maybe a husband and wife reading it through together. Maybe it's a book on parenting. Maybe it's a book on marriage. Maybe it's simply a book on the Christian life. But use this time to read and to put into your mind good, solid, biblical teaching. Now, if you are looking for recommendations, reach out to your small group leader or contact a pastor or elder. We'd be happy to help you. But there are many uh, great resources that are online, many that are free, or at a low cost that would enable you to be able to intake much rich material during this time. I'm reminded of Proverbs 18, verse 15, which says, An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Friends, if we're to be wise, if we're to be prudent, if we're to be smart about this, we would go and seek out knowledge knowledge of God, knowledge of his word, knowledge of how to live our Christian lives. Let's be among the wise and seek out knowledge. So church, as Christians in quarantine, let us strive for holiness and see Christ receive the glory for our progress. So we've looked at the first two priorities we need to remember during this time. The first is that our primary purpose is to glorify God. The second is that our preeminent responsibility is to love the Lord. We've We've looked at what that looks like. Thirdly and finally this morning, the third priority is that our pressing challenge is to love our neighbors. Our pressing challenge is to love our neighbors. You see, as Christians, our concern does not end with us. 
We are simply not just concerned on us growing more holy in God and we hunker down and we just think about our relationship with God and that's it. Which is why Jesus, without being prompted, included a second greatest commandment. First was to love the Lord your God. Second, he said, is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, to be true followers of of the Lord is to make ourselves right with him, and then to imitate him in loving those around us. And that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do and what we must realize today during these unique times. We see this as well in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. If you're not there already, turn there. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Paul here exhorts us to look out for the needs of other people, to essentially do what Jesus commanded is to love your neighbor as yourself. Philippians 2, verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Friends, we must, in this time, think of other people. We must not be characterized by selfish ambition or conceit, thinking only about ourselves, thinking only about our needs. But the gospel, because the gospel radically transforms us. We have been shown much love. We must then show that love to others. We cannot simply concern ourselves with ourselves. You know, and this is unique in one sense to Christianity. You see, the secular worldview that's based on evolutionary materialism has an ethic of survival of the fittest. And implicit in this worldview is the virtue of self-interest. And therefore, they have no They have no logical explanation why, in an evolutionary framework, we should consider the interests of others as more significant than ourselves. Because according to their worldview and their logic, you should only think of yourself, therefore, that you can survive and propagate your kind. But we know we were made in the image of God. And we have been given the revealed will, will of God. And therefore, we love and we know why we love. And as followers of a loving Savior, we lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters because Jesus laid down his life for us. That's what John says in 1 John 3.16. And so in that vein, I want to suggest three ways that we can answer this pressing challenge in this hour. What does it look like for us to love our neighbor today in this unique time? The first way that I suggest to you is to invest in your family and to pray. To invest in your family and pray. Now, one of the great opportunities of being quarantined or, or told to stay home as much as possible is that we get more time with our families. And therefore, many of you will be spending more hours with your family than you might otherwise. And this may not be the case for all of you, but, but for those of whom it applies, take advantage of this. 
Take advantage of this opportunity to pour into your children. Those of you who are, are maybe away from your children during the day, you're able to now engage with your children in a unique way. Get to know them as little people. You get to, get to engage them as a developing person. Ask questions of your daughter and of your son. Find out who they are. Find out, find out what makes them tick. Learn to enjoy your children and use this opportunity. So many fathers say, say, oh, I don't get enough time with my kids and that's why I don't do X, Y, and Z with them. Well, now there's no excuse. Use this opportunity to invest in them and find out and enjoy all that God made your children to be. Husbands and wives, use this time to engage with one another in a way that uh, maybe you haven't before. Engage in conversation. Resolve to have your marriage stronger at the end of this season than when you went into it. As you pray together and trust the Lord together and open the word together and you learn to enjoy one another as you spend time together learning to love and respect one another. And so use this time wisely to to engage and to invest in your family. Let us pray that God would help us not to waste these hours that we have with our loved ones. This is a, a unique opportunity. Let us pray that God would give us sweet conversations with our sons and our daughters and our spouses. Let us pray that God would strengthen our family during this time. Now let us also not just think about those who live with us, but let's use this time to invest in family that might live elsewhere and that we're not able to see during this time. This means simply checking in with grandma and grandpa, a cousin, an aunt or uncle, calling them, seeing if they're okay, asking if there's anything that they need, and maybe having extended conversation with them, because again, you've got the time, and they do too, and maybe be able to build more relationship with family members that you haven't before. And through that conversation, who knows, maybe the Lord may open up spiritual conversation. You may be able to turn that conversation to the Lord and be able to ask them how they're doing in the midst of this time and have an opportunity to provide hope and to share what Christ has meant to you during this turbulent time. You may have an open door for the gospel with certain family members unlike you've had at any other point in your life. So we need to take that and take that opportunity. So how do we love our neighbors? We first invest in those those neighbors who live right around us, our family. Invest in them and pray that God would help us to, to turn our hearts towards our family, that we might love them more, that we might invest in them with all our hearts. But the second way we can love our neighbor is to serve the church and pray to serve the church and pray. Outside of our families, we must be giving our hearts and our time to our brothers and sisters in our spiritual family. In fact, there's a certain sense in which uh, the, the spiritual bonds that are within the church are even stronger than those within our physical family. We are a family. That's why the Bible calls us brothers and sisters. And therefore, we must care for one another. 
You're called out from this world, called to Christ, and together we've fellowshiped together and, 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 and committed to one another, that we would care for one another, and that we, would, that we would seek to serve one another for the glory of God. And that cannot end, that cannot diminish, that cannot cease during this time, friends. Let us be active about this, serving the church family during these unique circumstances. Now, of course, these are not ideal circumstances. God set it up so that we would gather together, so that God's people would come, be able to sing and worship and and hear the word of God together and and see each other face to face. And that's what we long for. We wait for that day when we can do that again. But even though these circumstances are not ideal, we still need each other. We cannot pull away into our homes and just be a Lone Ranger Christian until all this blows over. We cannot do that. It will strike disaster for our spiritual lives personally, and it will strike disaster for our bonds as a fellowship. We need the church to continue being the church. And this means we must practice the one another's as outlined in Scripture. We don't have time to go into all, uh, there's dozens of them, of one another commands given to the church that we must practice to one another. Now each of us, have different capacities. Some of us are more mobile than others. Some of us are more comfortable with going out than others. Some of us have different strengths and weaknesses. That's what the church is. And so how do we serve each other during this time is going to look different across, each, across the whole church. But we each, we all need to be looking for ways to serve and to love the church and be looking to put others' needs above our own. I want to highlight a couple of these one another's that that are outlined for us in the Bible. The first is to care for one another. Care for one another. And that's found in 1 Corinthians 12, 25. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 talks about how the body is to care for one another. It says, um, starting in verse 24, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division, no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. God designed that the church may care for one another. This word for care means literally to be anxious, to be concerned about. And so this is what it means for the church to care for one another. We need to be concerned for one another. And this is, this is the time that our care for one another will either will shine through brightly or will fall flat. Are we going to be concerned for one another? Or are we only concerned for ourselves? Friends, may the gospel inspire us to be concerned for our brothers and sisters. And so therefore, if we're concerned for them, we need to contact each other. And uh, care cannot happen in silence. Uh, And there are numerous ways to do this. We live in an age of communication. So if nothing else, pick up the phone. And start calling people in the church, asking how they're doing, and, and, and seeing how you can care for them. We can even use video calls. Most people have that capability on their smartphones or computers. We can be able to see each other face-to-face, even though we aren't physically in the same room together. Or we can email, or we can text. There's, there's so many ways to communicate. We must leverage those for the glory of God and for the care of the church. We need to, kn- we need to know each other's needs And we can't know them unless we contact. And so let us reach out and call one another. Let this be a time of when we're on our phones a lot, not 
uh, thumbing necessarily through social media, but, but we're talking to one another. We're hearing each other's voices so that we can provide care to one another. Care begins in our hearts and moves out through our hands. May we be a church during this time that exhibits great care because of Christ. Second way that we can love and serve the church is to serve one another. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he says, For we are called the freedom brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Through love serve one another. Right now, there are so many unique opportunities to serve. So many ways that we can meet specific needs. And some of you have already started doing that, and praise God. That, that some of you are picking up groceries and delivering groceries, and, and many of you are making phone calls and checking in on people to see how they're doing that may feel isolated. The service of the church it continues even though our circumstances have changed. Now, we can't anticipate all the ways that we need to serve one another during these days, in these coming weeks, but we need to be ready and eager to do so. And so I ask you, are you ready and eager to serve the church? Are you ready and eager to, to serve someone in the body and to meet physical needs? But if you aren't able to meet physical needs, there's many other ways to serve. And that's the third way I encourage you to do, the, do this, to love one another, is to encourage one another and build up one another. Encourage and build up one another. And this exhortation we see in 1 Thessalonians uh, verse 5. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, where the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Encourage and build one another up. The word encourage means to, uh, to urge strongly, to appeal to, or to comfort. To build up means to help one another live rightly. That we want to build each other up, want to promote growth in Christian virtues. We want to advance someone's spiritual condition. We don't want someone to stay in the same place that they are. We want to build them up in the Lord so that they are further along in their walk with Christ. Again, we are not designed to be Lone Ranger Christians. If we're to grow in the Lord, we need to be encouraging, exhorting, and building one another up. We need to be helping one another to grow, even during this time. This is what discipling one another looks like. This is what the Great Commission right now within the church looks like. And friends, if God intended the church to be a community in which we speak to one another and help one another to grow in the Lord, for the purpose of spiritual growth, that we must be speaking to one another. And this brings me back to what I mentioned before in terms of calling. Video calls, phone calls, whatever. We need to be talking to one another. That is what the church looks like in these days. Communication. Speaking the truth in love. Not just calling and, 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 and shooting the breeze. But calling, asking how they're doing spiritually. Asking how their, their heart is. Asking how their trust in the Lord is doing. And praying over the phone, reading the word of God over the phone, hearing somebody out and, and the anxieties and concerns and reminding them of, of scripture, of, of sharing what you're, what you're learning from the word of God together. All these things we can do even though we're not in person. And so I encourage you to have as your mission during these weeks and your goal is to get in touch with the saints. Start with your small group if you're in one. 
Call them, see how they're doing, and then be, don't stop there. Begin calling and reaching other people in the body, people you've met, people you know of. Listen, we cannot uh, check on one another too much. We must spread our ministry wide. We must be getting involved in people's lives and speaking the truth in love. And God will be glorified and we will be edified even during these times. Now, if you need phone numbers, you can get those on the hub. If you don't know how to use the hub or if you need help with that, call the church office. We'd love to be able to help you or get the phone numbers you need. We, we want to be able to resource you so that you can connect and do the ministry of the church because that's what the church does. The fourth and final way I want to suggest for us to be able to love and serve the church in this time is to pray for one another. James 5.16 simply says, pray for one another. This is a ministry that all of us can do. Even though we are scattered, we can pray. We can take one another's concerns before the Lord. And as you know, there's a prayer request sheet that gets sent out in the the weekly email this week at FBC. Use that as a starting point, a, a springboard to pray for the needs of the body. Pray through the different members in the body who have needs. Pray for our missionaries who are around the globe. Let's remember to pray for those who in our church have occupations who may be uh, more in danger of contact and contracting the coronavirus right now. There are some who, such as medical professionals and, and first responders and even public transit workers who, who are around people and around people that may be sick and, and be, have a possibility of, of contracting this. Let's pray that God would keep them safe, that God would use them to minister not only to physical needs, but to spiritual needs as well. Folks, we need to remember that we are in a spiritual battle, as we said before. That right now, that even though we might be sequestered into our homes, that there is a battle for Christ going on in our hearts and in our homes. That in each other's lives, that that we must be fighting for Christ. That there's a battle for our souls and the soul of, souls of our children. And while the world shuts down, the flesh and the devil have, have not ceased their operation. And therefore, we must battle on our knees, praying against these forces, that God would bring victory through the Spirit. And as I said, this is a ministry we can all participate in. So let us be devoted to prayer and watch God work in our lives and in the world. Well, lastly, this morning, the third way that we can love our neighbors during this time, we first said invest in our family and pray. Secondly, was to serve the church and pray. And thirdly, is serve our neighbors and pray. And by neighbors, I simply mean our physical neighbors who live directly around us. As we are confined to our homes, then uh, the people that live directly around us become Uh, really some of the only people that we might see on a daily basis. And we must seek to do them good, church. Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10 says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do, do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. I believe these verses are exhorting us to first of all make sure that we are doing good and serving the church. He says especially to those who are of the household of faith. Faith, That is our first priority, our first concern. 
but we also need to be looking to do good to everyone. We have capacity to do good to everyone as we have opportunity. And right now we have so much opportunity. Check in on your neighbors, particularly if they're elderly and they're in a, 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 a segment that's more susceptible to this, uh, to this disease. Maybe some of you need to meet your neighbors for the first time because you can't serve them and you can't meet their needs if you don't know them. So knock on a door, keep your social distance, and introduce yourself. But as we look around for physical needs to meet, we need to remember, most importantly, the spiritual needs that are out there. We must be looking for opportunities to share the hope that we have in us. The wonderful news of Christ. Our world is looking for hope. They're looking for answers. They're struggling with despair and fear. And the fact is, people may be more open to the gospel now than they ever have been before. There's, we can learn from the example of Charles Spurgeon, who was the English Baptist preacher in the 1800s, and he, he ministered during a cholera outbreak in, in 1854. And it's later on in his life he looked back to how receptive the people were to the Lord during that cholera outbreak. And he said this, he said, If there ever be a time when the mind is sensitive, it is when death is abroad. I recollect when I first came to London how anxiously people listened to the gospel. For the cholera was raging terribly. And there was little scoffing then. So friends, the opportunities abound. Let us seize them for the gospel, seize them for Christ's glory, that he might be known and treasured and worshipped by our neighbors and by those around us and by our family members. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. That person that you think may not come to Christ may be open now. Let's pray for that and let's share the gospel. Let's be clear about who Jesus is. Let's speak to them of our loving Savior and of our, of our faithful Father to all who are listening to us. Let's give the good news to the world. It's a treasure that we must share. And so as we end, let's hear from Spurgeon again, exhort us to minister during these extraordinary circumstances. Charles Spurgeon wrote, And now again, it is the minister's time. Not, as a side note, not just the pastor minister, but all who minister, that is the Christian now again, it is the minister's time. Now is the time for all of you who love souls. You may see men more alarmed than they are already. And if they should be, mind that you avail yourselves of the opportunity of doing them good. You have the balm of Gilead. When their wounds smart, pour it in. You know of him who died to save. Tell them of him. Lift high the cross before their eyes. Tell them that God became man, that man might be lifted to God. Tell them of Calvary and its groans and cries and sweat of blood. Tell them of Jesus hanging on the cross to save sinners. Tell them that there is life for those, uh, for, for a look at the crucified one. Tell them that he is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. Tell them that he is able to save even at the eleventh hour and to say to the dying thief, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Church, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Christ on these, in these days. Let us be found faithful to our calling as Christians and may our light so shine before others that they may see our good works 
and glorify our Father who's in heaven. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this time. We ask that you would please help us as we seek to be faithful Christians in these trying days. May you equip us, Father, to do good to all those around us. And we pray that you would help us to grow in Christ, to set his glory as our first concern. And may you receive the glory for how we live in these weeks ahead. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, beloved. May the Lord continue to keep you, and may he be your peace in this time. We're praying for you.